Hey guys, welcome to the Scripture Study Project, our podcast that gives you a fresh and faithful perspective of the scriptures that will renew your excitement for your own personal study and help you passionately teach what you are learning to others. I'm Zach here with my lovely wife, Krista. Hello. And we're excited to jump into episode 44 of this season, Hebrews 7 through 13. Um, We've loved our study in Hebrews. Um, I don't know if you have loved yours as much, but this book has just been awesome. And so we're excited to dive in. Yeah, it really has been. But this bef- is a cool. But before we do, um, we wanted to give an update on our study record that is coming out this week. Take it away, Krista. So yeah, this Friday will be the date that we are going to be launching a, a brand new website um, along with um, the pre-sale of our study record that we're really excited about and just want to say thank you for so many of you who have been so supportive and excited about um, what we've got coming and we will just be releasing the details more this week not in any reason to be cryptic because I actually don't like that that's the sign that I'm not a marketing person but um, more just as we get details and get things figured out we are new to this whole side of the side of whatever it is whatever it is we don't even know what to call it (laughs) but anyway just wanted to say thank you and update you that we will have a website this friday we'll open it up and um, information will be coming your way through instagram and through facebook we'll make sure that you have links to what you need there um so yeah we're looking forward to getting that out and being able to show you show you what what it's like on social media as well so you can get an idea of um of what it would what it will be but we're excited about it the website will be called the scripture study project.com and uh there's a there's a verse i was thinking as you were talking there's a verse in hebrews this week that talks about the just shall live by faith and that's totally what we're doing because we have no idea what we're doing and that's why we don't know (laughs) we don't know the details until we know the details and then we try and say them as quickly as we know them so but um, if you listened last week, our whole focus in this this study record that we're putting out is just to help people. We've had so many people message us and ask us, how do you study your scriptures? And, and wanting some practical, tangible help. And uh, this product, this, this study record is a goal or is an effort to help you have that goal of um, having a more meaningful, personal, individual, powerful scripture study. And so um, anyway, yeah, check, it, check Which- in this week. Yeah, which is kind of what our podcast is all about. So we feel like it's a good, hopefully going to be a good extension of what we do here. So we're looking forward to that. And then in other news this week, um, Zach is growing a mustache. (laughs) Sorry, as I was watching you talk into the microphone, I just had to. He got pressured into doing the... peer pressured by a bunch of seminary teacher co-workers. How... how, uh... And they, it worked. They were like, come on, you've never done it before. Just once. Just try it. Everyone's have, doing it. I mean, he does the beard occasionally when he's I on. don't shave, but I've never not done them. Anyway, I look gross. I Every time I look at myself in the mirror, I think like <laughs> my face belongs I, on a milk carton or I something. I kind of think he looked like Professor, or not Professor, Officer Gordon from Batman today. But it oh, must be the glasses. It's a compliment. Someone today told me I look like Wesley from <laughs> Princess Bride. Which Not as much as a not compliment. Not as much as a compliment. <laughs> Oh, I guess it depends on who you're talking about. Anyway, so those are our <laughs> updates for the week. Very exciting. Um, but more importantly, we'll get started into this um, second half of Hebrews. We really kind of felt like we couldn't do these justice without kind of doing a part one and part two, because a lot of the verses, especially in the middle, we just kind of mixed together like we mentioned last week. So so to remember last week, uh, the background in Hebrews is we don't know who the author is. 
Um, but we know that the audience are Hebrew Christians, so Jewish converts to Christianity, and they're struggling with their faith um, because of the pressures of the culture and the world in which they live. And the author of Hebrews is trying to encourage them to strengthen that faith. And so the first nine, ten chapters of Hebrews is all about Jesus Christ, reminding them who he is and Maybe that's why we love it so much, because there's so many powerful descriptions of him. In chapter 8, uh, there's somewhat of a summary. So this is chapter 8, verse 1. Now, of the things which we have spoken, this is the sum. We have such a high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in the heavens, a minister of the sanctuary and of the true tabernacle which the Lord pitched and not of man. Verse 6. But now he hath obtained a more excellent ministry, by how much also he is the mediator of a better covenant, which was established upon better promises. This is Jesus Christ, is the message. He's this high priest who mediates a better covenant and has brought us more excellent things. That covenant is described in two places, almost exactly word for word. So this is chapter 8, verse 10. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws into their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. And then verse 12, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. And then two chapters later, in chapter 10, he says the same thing. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, saith the Lord. I will put the laws, my laws into their hearts and in their minds, and I will write them. And their sins and iniquities will I remember no more. And then verse 19. Um, Having therefore, brethren, boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus. If you remember, the whole point of our study last week was what can we learn about Jesus Christ that emboldens us and empowers us to be in his presence, to want to be with him, and to stop pulling away and being afraid of him. And so the author here gives that exact commandment. Verse 22, let us draw near with a true heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled from evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, as opposed to, in verse 35, cast not away therefore your confidence, which hath great recompense of reward. Verse 38, The just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no more pleasure in him. We are not of them who draw back unto perdition, but of them that believe to the saving of the soul. In other words, the whole first part of Hebrews is this is Jesus Christ, so that in chapter 10, you can draw near to him and and practice real faith in him, have trust in him, have confidence in him, be bold in coming to the throne of God, and don't draw back, don't pull away. So what we want to study this week is, how do we do that? How do we draw close to him? How do we exercise faith in him um, instead of drawing away? I like this question so much because it's so relatable for us today. Um, If we look at what the Jews were experiencing, um, they had had this very tangible faith. They had a lot of rituals. And then Jesus comes along and things become simpler for them. And it almost makes it more difficult to live their faith, which is what we have the Hebrews for, right? The book of Hebrews is explaining, no, it's Jesus. Come back to Jesus. It's really simple. 
And isn't that what we need? It's that come back to Jesus. Remember what we're doing. We can get caught up a lot in the meetings and the agendas and the programs that we have, which can all be great, but we forget the true meaning, the real meaning of what we're doing. If we're not focusing on Jesus Christ um, and only doing the rituals because it's out of habit or it's just something we are supposed to check off our list, um, then we can find ourselves in the same mess that the Hebrews were in. Reminds me of both President Ballard two conferences ago and then Elder Holland this last conference, both of them a very similar message that there is a simple Christ-centered reason behind all of these changes and all of these new programs that are coming out. And if we miss the reason for the program, then we don't we aren't able to utilize that program to help us achieve its goal, which is to help us come closer to the Savior. The Book of Mormon authors talk all the time about the Jews looking beyond the mark. Mm, if the mark yeah. is the Savior, they're overcomplicating it. And similarly, do we do the same thing? Are, are we sometimes caught up in the minutia of ministry and serving and meetings that we forget that it's about connecting us to God? And which makes sense. You know, it was, it's, we can, they're so tangible for us as humans. It's so easy to do that. But I think that in Hebrews, a few times it talks about this was a better thing. Jesus was better. Um, and I, I think that this is simpler, but it's better. And we need mm -hmm. to remember that, that this really is a better way of um, living your faith. So the question is, how can we then develop stronger and simpler faith, real confidence and trust in, in God, in this Jesus who is the high priest of good things to come? Um, and I want to start with just a simple definition. Chapter 11, verse 1. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And I love, I've always loved that verse because faith gets kind of floaty. And there's so many different definitions that circle around. I love this really simple definition. Faith is not something wishy-washy. It's not a hope. It's not a wish. It's not a, I kind of think this is going to happen. I have faith in it and maybe it'll happen. The words that are used here is it's um, evidence, um, substance, or I believe the footnote there in Greek provides the words assurance, basis, or foundation. The Joe Smith translation of Hebrews 11.1 1 is it's the assurance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. In other words, faith is just as solid as knowledge. It just happens before instead of after. Practical example. I know that the sun came up today because I saw the sun. But I, and this is a dumb way to use the word, but I have faith that the sun will come up tomorrow. Now, I don't know it'll come up tomorrow because I haven't seen it yet, but I am no less confident that the sun will come up tomorrow than I am that the sun came up today. That's faith at its simplest, to have such confidence and trust in someone that you know good things will happen because you know that he's always good for his word. So how do you develop that kind of faith? Well, I think as we read on in chapter 11, where Zach just read those verses, um, that's kind of the formula. I think the author of Hebrews is, is saying that. By faith, we understand these things. Um, by faith, um, all of these Old Testament prophets and Old Testament people did these things. By faith, Noah did this. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed and set out for a place. By faith, even Sarah herself, when she was unable to have children, received power. Um, 
by faith Abraham, when he was tested, by faith Isaac, by faith Moses. These are all examples of that. Um, they had faith before, you know, faith is the reality of what is hoped for. They were hoping for something better. Um, and I think that it's it can be really empowering to read these stories, which is, I think, one of the reasons that the scriptures can be so um, empowering. I'll say it again, <laughs> repeating myself here, but is that as we read these stories of these people that have experienced God and have their faith has been tested, we can then say, that happened to them. They did this. So I'm going to try it too. So if I can ask you then, which of those examples in chapter 11 uh, give you evidence or assurance? Which ones did you like the, did you like the best that helps you have confidence or maybe helps you reflect on your own experiences? Ooh, yikes. Um, well, I guess maybe the one that stood out to me was in chapter 11, verse 8, um, about Abraham. When he was called, obeyed, and set out for a place that he was going to receive an inheritance. He went out, even though he did not know where he was going. I kind of think this relates to all of us. Mm -hmm. I'm like picturing myself as, you know, this wandering person in this world, which we all are, right? Um, by faith, he stayed as a foreigner in the land of promise, living in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, co-heirs of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations, whose architect and builder is God. And I guess for me that um, stuck out because I know that I sometimes feel like a foreigner in this world, but um, but looking forward to the city that has foundations and an architect and builder is God. I love that idea of um, looking to God to help build um, not only our lives, but build our faith, the people around us, and to kind of be the person that I want to look to um, to help me build my life and figure out who I am and what I want to be doing um, while I'm here and to be serving him. Um, I guess for me, looking at um, my life, I just want to take hold of um, that faith that Abraham had and um, look to God as the creator of not only this world, but the creator of of my life hmm. and finding happiness and joy um, through him. Because I think he can point me to that. I hope that's not too, no, I, I mean, trying to make this very practical, but I just, I feel that so deeply that um, we can turn to him to really make our life something great. Well, I liked, it's funny you mentioned Abraham because I really liked Sarah in verse 11. Uh, through faith, Sarah herself received strength to conceive seed and was delivered of child when she was past age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Mm. She trusts God because she has learned through experiences that he's trustworthy, that he's faithful. And I think reading these examples in the scriptural past, but then also reflecting on our own examples where God has been faithful to us, increases our faith. And we trust people that are trustworthy. And if I want to trust God, I need to reflect on experiences, both past and present, where he has been trustworthy to me, where he has answered prayers, where he's been faithful to his promises, where he's provided or where he's helped. And that increases my trust in him. So the next time uh, he tells me to do something and I can't see the end from the beginning, 
I can act in faith, i.e. trust, because he's worthy of that trust. And I love that one too, because if we aren't there yet, if you haven't experienced that, um, then you can. You can read examples of these you know, these people in the, the scriptures doing just those things, or you can look to people around you and say, I don't know, how do you get a faith that allows you to have these experiences? And really, I think it comes from that, those practices of, mm-hmm. and that over and over again, I'm making circles with my hands, but you can't see that, of listening to other people, making your own experiences and really looking to God. And um, so I, I think that chapter 11 is a really powerful, um, just witness of all of those things that can happen as we um, look to the one source that we're supposed to be focusing on. The answer that I came up with for me was chapter 12. Again, reflecting and remembering that the Hebrews are being um, pressured from their culture to draw back from Christ, to return to things that they used to do or used to know instead of embracing and moving forward in faith. This is chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, referencing chapter 11, we've got this great cloud of witnesses around us. Let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who, for the joy that was set before him, endured the cross, despised the shame, and is now set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. In other words, don't give up, keep running, and if you're if you're thinking about giving up, remember that Jesus Christ finished the race that was set before him because he was looking forward to us. He Maybe this is a weird way to say it, but it almost makes it sound like he had faith and trust in us. He knew that if he went through this sacrifice, we would take hold of it. We would use it. We would draw upon his power to repent and to change and to build better lives. And so he kept going even when it was difficult because he was looking forward in faith to the good things that would come from his sacrifice. And now here we are on the other side needing to push forward and... Uh, push forward even through difficulties and trials, trusting that there are good things to come from him and running, I love that phrase, running with patience the race that is set before us and not giving up um, when things get difficult. And in my um, scripture, in the Christian Standard Bible that I'm reading from, it talks, it uses endurance, which I I like even more, you know, when it's talking about running that endurance. Um, But you did this to me already, Zach, so I'm going to do it to you. In making this very practical, because I think we can get very, um, it can get really out there when we start to talk about faith. Like, how do I make this practical? Because I love this, but I know that you yourself have been um, needing more patience in your own life of, and not necessarily impatience, but just like going through hard things and trying to figure out um, how to make this practical for you. So I would love hate to put that on you, but I think this is making this very practical for people of how does this really look? Yeah. Well, the experience that's described in the rest of chapter 12 is really similar to what I've been through. Um, This is the second half of verse five. My son, despise thou not the chastening of the Lord, nor faint when thou art rebuked from him. 
Um, chastening was my word, and yours it was different, wasn't it? That was verse 5. Uh, it's discipline. Yeah. So uh, not necessarily chastening because you've done something wrong, but when the Lord, well, he says it, um, verse 6, For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, or disciplines, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. In other words, he's like any other father. When he wants me to grow, uh, he allows things to come into my life or may even instigate things in my life that cause me to reflect and to stretch. Uh, the past couple of months for me have been really stretching mentally and emotionally. And I've needed to find times where I could detach from all of the stuff and connect to my Heavenly Father in calm, simple, personal ways. Um, and without that discipline, without that chastening, I don't know if I would have sought for that. I would have kept going very task-oriented as I'm very practiced at doing <laughs> and accomplishing all the things that I need to do in a day and making my list for tomorrow and accomplishing all those things and making another list. I would have kept doing that, except it wasn't working for me. Uh, my experience, my faith was kind of like what you were describing with the Jews, where I was I was doing a thousand different things in the name of faith, but I was neglecting my own personal, simple relationship um, with my Heavenly Father, with my Savior. And so as I've tried to slow down and take some calm, quiet moments throughout the day to just um, reflect, to be with Him, whether it's prayer or whether it's scripture study or whether it's just pondering and reflecting and writing in my journal, um, those simple things have made quite a bit of difference for me. Um, it reminds me of, in the Book of Mormon, the brother of Jared, uh, there's a verse where he's chastened, it says, because he hadn't called on the Lord for four years. And I always found that kind of difficult to believe that he hadn't prayed in four years. And I think he probably was, but he was so busy with everything for four years that he hadn't in four years had a moment where he really reached out to the Lord um, to build that and strengthen his connection and his faith with him. And maybe I've had that similar experience where I've been chastened for that. And so I've sought for that more in my life and it's made, it's made a world of difference. Um, I'm so much more patient in, with myself and peaceful and calm um, than I have been over the past couple of months. In fact, um, the image that comes to mind is actually one that Elder Holland explained in his talk, High Priest of Good Things to Come. And there was a Mormon message made out of it, um, which... I want to play that probably describes more than maybe even better than I have just here uh, what I've been feeling, what I've been thinking. Every one of us has times when we need to know things will get better. My declaration is that that is precisely what the gospel of Jesus Christ offers us, especially in times of need. Thirty years ago last month, a little family set out to cross the United States. Every earthly possession they own packed into the smallest trailer available. No money, an old car. They drove exactly 34 miles up the highway, at which point their beleaguered car erupted. The young father surveyed the steam matched it with his own, then left his trusting wife and two innocent children, the youngest just three months old, to wait in the car while he walked the three miles or so to the southern Utah metropolis of 
Canaraville. Population then, I suppose, 65. Some water was secured at the edge of town and a very kind citizen offered a drive back to the stranded family. The car was attended to and slowly, very slowly, driven back to St. George for inspection. After more than two hours of checking and rechecking, no immediate problem could be detected, so once again the journey was begun. In exactly the same amount of elapsed time, at exactly the same location on that highway, with exactly the same pyrotechnics from under that hood, the car exploded again. Now feeling more foolish than angry, the chagrined young father once more left his trusting loved ones and started the long walk for help once again. This time the man providing the water said, either you or that fellow who looks just like you ought to get a new radiator for that car. He didn't know whether to laugh or to cry at the plight of this young family. How far have you come, he said. 34 miles, I answered. How much farther do you have to go? 2,600 miles, I said. Well, you might make that trip, and your wife and those two little kiddies might make that trip, but none of you are going to make that trip in that car. He proved to be prophetic on all counts. Just two weeks ago, I drove by that exact spot for just an instant. I thought perhaps I saw on that side road an old car with a devoted young wife and two little children. Just ahead of them I imagined that I saw a young fellow walking toward Canaraville. The weight of a young father's fear evident in his pace. In that imaginary instant, I couldn't help calling out to him, don't you quit. You keep walking. You keep trying. There is help and happiness ahead. Some blessings come soon. Some come late. And some don't come till heaven. But for those who embrace the gospel of Jesus Christ, they come. It will be all right in the end. Trust God and believe in good things to come. I mentioned last week a lot of these references to the Old Testament and um, specifically some of these psalms that this the author of Hebrews is talking about. And I love this one. So in chapter 13, verse 5, he says, I will never leave you or abandon you. Therefore, we may say boldly, the Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can man do to me? Um, and then chapter verse 7, 
he says, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you. Um, and I'm thinking of all of these prophets that he referenced in this that we talked about, the faith that they had. And then those around you that are examples of faith and sharing their faith. Um, remember your leaders who have spoken God's word to you as you carefully observe the outcome of their lives. Imitate their faith. Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Don't be led astray by various kinds of strange teachings, for it is good for the heart to be established by grace. Um, so remember the simplicity that is in Jesus Christ, that he is there for us. Um, we don't need to be afraid because he is there helping us, even when our faith feels small, or even when we don't know what's coming next, that he is the high priest of good things to come um, that is there promising us that he is there. And I can just, I feel that and I know that because I've had those experiences enough um, that I want to continue to trust him in my own life. And I hope that you can either continue to make those or um, try it out for yourself and that he will be there for you. Thank you for studying with us this week. Um, again, jump on over to the scripturestudyproject.com on Friday, and we'll have more information up there about our study record. And then we'll be back next week with another episode.